everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm thrilled that you found me. There is power in the name of Jesus. And as we journey together, we will unleash discoveries of how to turn a heart of stone into one of moldable clay for the potter to transform. I hope that you'll join me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, folks will delve into my mailbag and answer questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, welcome back. We're continuing on with our study of Jesus's teachings from the Sermon on the Mount. And yesterday, we looked in depth at what Jesus said about giving to the needy and about prayer. Jesus warned us not to be hypocrites in our giving or in our prayers. And if you recall, a hypocrite is an actor. It's important that our motives for giving and praying are rightly aligned with the kingdom of God. So next time you're going to give, ask yourself, if no one ever knew it was me, would I still step up and give or would I still step up and pray this way? It's not about a holy facade. Rather, it's about our obedience to Jesus. Our prayers will cover the foundation when we use the pattern of the Lord's Prayer. So now that we have recapped what yesterday's podcast covered, let's take a look into what Jesus had to say about fasting, money, and worry. To provide some background or context around fasting, we need to go back to Levitical times. And the book of Leviticus was written as a handbook for the priests and the Levites, outlining their duties in worship and a guidebook of holy living for the Hebrews. The Day of Atonement was set aside as the one day per year for the removal of sin from the people and that of the nation. So by honoring this day by fasting and resting... That's what's called the Day of Atonement. So Leviticus chapter 23 verse 32 teaches us, This will be a Sabbath day of total rest for you. And on that day you must humble yourselves. This time of rest and fasting will begin the evening before the Day of Atonement and extend until the evening of that next day. So this Day of Atonement opened the way for the Israelites to come before God. And there are patterns that emerge in our spiritual walk with God. We see that our worship has a horizontal aspect. What I mean by this is that God is honored by how we horizontally relate to others. So think of yourself forming a cross. We're vertically connected to God and then horizontally we're connected to our neighbor. Our spiritual patterns are reflective in our private worship time, our public worship, and in our group celebrations. And the Day of Atonement taught us about the nature of God and helped us to develop a right attitude about worshiping God. And the Day of Atonement was mandatory in Old Testament times. However, Jesus abolished the Old Testament law that tied us to the animal sacrifices and the many festivals that were required back in the day. So what did Jesus then teach us about fasting? Well, let's read what his word says about that now. He says, and this comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. 
He says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do who try to look pale and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I assure you that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will suspect that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in secret. And your father who knows all secrets will reward you. So first, what is true legitimate fasting? Well, the Vines Expository Dictionary says that it's a voluntary abstinence from food. Fasting had become a common practice among Jews and was continued among Christians. And many believers used fasting as times to go without food in order to spend time in prayer. This is both noble and difficult. This extends our prayer time with God. It teaches us self-discipline. It reminds us that we can live with much less and ultimately brings thankfulness and gratitude to the forefront of our minds for God. And Jesus wasn't condemning fasting, but he didn't approve of the hypocrisy surrounding it. People used fasting in order to gain public approval, and it was the Pharisees who voluntarily fasted not just once, but twice weekly to impress other people with their devout holiness. But what impresses Jesus are the people who quietly demonstrate self-sacrifice in a sincere manner. He encouraged encouraged people to adopt fasting and other spiritual disciplines for the right reasons, not for selfish desires for praise. And Jesus tells us that if we decide to fast, then go ahead about our daily routines. In other words, business as usual. There's no reason to make a show of what we're doing. And I've heard of people who've created modified versions of fasting. Perhaps they have a need to monitor their glucose levels. Or for me personally, I experience headaches when stopping all food at once and I drink only water. So a bishop friend of mine told me that you could just eat bread and drink water one day per week exclusively, and that also constitutes fasting. So if you have any special needs, you may want to try maybe even broth and water for a 24-hour time period. The important thing is the why behind your fasting and prayer. Again, it's not to be pious for others. It's all about strengthening our commitment, our dedication, and devotion to God for all he's done for us. And we need and desire the heartbeat of Christ. Our prayer should be, Father, you be glorified, allowing your followers to be sanctified, meaning holy, and your church unified. Amen. So next, we come to Jesus's teachings about money. And this comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. And here's what Jesus said. Don't store up treasures here on earth where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where they will never become moth-eaten or rusty and where they'll be safe from thieves. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. Your eye is a lamp for your body. A pure eye lets sunshine into your soul. But an evil eye shuts out the light and plunges you into darkness. If the light you think you have is really darkness, how deep that darkness will be. 
no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Storing up our treasures in heaven will yield an ultimate harvest. One way to do this is by tithing. I heard you groan right when I said tithing, didn't you? That's okay. I'm not judging you. Like you, tithing for me strikes a chord deep within the recesses of my heart. God's calling us to make a decision on this one principle alone. Either we will be fearful or we will be faith-filled. And spoiler alert, the best part is that Jesus doesn't need one penny from any of us. We're being given an opportunity to come alongside the creator of the universe and invest into the number one fail-proof investment of all time, the eternal kingdom of heaven. This is one way we show obedience to God. And this is how God changes, molds, and shapes our hearts toward others, making us God-centered rather than self-centered. As believers, we should willingly be looking for ways to fulfill his purposes. I've mentioned before, God's given us the Bible, which We could compare to life's instruction manual that contains guardrails. Not because God is heavy-handed. No, it's just the opposite. God loves us. He wants us to experience His best. Because He's able to see all dimensions to every challenge, He has the wisdom and the knowledge to know what may place His children into a snare or trap in the enemy. This enables us to utilize spiritual vision that is seeing the world from God's viewpoint, not merely a human vantage point. However, be forewarned, our spiritual vision easily becomes clouded when we approach life from our own selfish desires. Sometimes our personal goals block what our divine God has intended for us. How then do we restore our relationships and come back into agreement with God? Here's how. We have to seek to serve God in all that we do. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be added unto us. A pure eye that lets sunshine into our soul is a person whose heart is affixed on Jesus. Occasionally, I like to probe and ask a question for you to pause, reflect, and take with you to chew on later. This is one of those times, if you sincerely answer this question, you will unequivocally know what and who you're living for. So here's the question, who's your master? What occupies more of your thoughts, time, and efforts, God or money? Many people misquote what Timothy said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is at the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Greed leads to many of the problems in our world today, and to achieve mastery over greed, we must attack it at its root. God wants and desires his children to have provision. When we're blessed, we pay it forward, blessing others. So it's not money that's the root of the problem. Pay careful attention to the scripture verse. It's the love of money that is the root of the problem. Being a lover of money leads to evil. Marriages disintegrate, partnerships fail, blowups and disagreements abound when greed runs rampant. The desire 
for what money can purchase overtakes the personal relationship with God that no amount of money could ever afford. Spiritual matters cannot be purchased. The heart is our currency in God's economy. Living in a fallen world does not mean that we need to adopt a greedy mindset. Our Heavenly Father owns all of the world's banks, all gold, and other commodities. So why would we seek materialism that's temporal over eternal treasures? Something to think about. When we collect and store treasure upon the earth, it's important to note Jesus said thieves can break in and steal it. These thieves include the fallen angel army organized by God's chief enemy, Satan, and his fallen angels. Much of our time and energy will go toward either God or money. We must decide what's better to pursue for eternity. And I wrote this temple talk many years ago as part of a congregation of worshipers. After reading it again now, I realize just how timely God's principles still are today. So I'm going to share it and I hope it'll make you take action within your own congregation. And you know, in these podcasts, I hope you see that I attempt to provide you with which means examples or real life examples when I talk and and uh, share with you. So hopefully this is going to spark a desire within you for whatever God and wherever God's leading you within your life. So I'm going to go ahead and read this now. This was called Just Say Yes, and it comes out of a former congregation, like I said, that I was involved in and connecting all generations to Christ and community. So good morning. For those of you who do not know me, I'm married to Matt, our daughter's Caitlin, my dad is Bob, and he said yes, is exhibited by his faith when he adopted my brother and me. Then when I was older, he had the foresight to marry a woman who is a pretty special lady with a heart of gold. Her name is Rose. She brought my father back to actively worshiping Christ. She did the same for me and my immediate family. She didn't try for all of us at once, but rather one by one she hooked us. She really is a fisher of men. When Pastor first approached us to give a temple talk, I was excited. Then I discovered this is a tough topic. Most people in church dislike having to talk about money or stewardship. Upon closer inspection, not only are we supposed to give money, but we're supposed to be happy about it. Thank goodness I married a man who believes in giving and remembers the yeses God has provided in our lives. The yeses are fulfilled promises from God. If a promise is a yes, then scripture reveals God promising many things. Second Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 states, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in him. That's why we say amen when we give glory to God through Christ. Or Psalm chapter 18 verse 30 states, As for God, his way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. And the Bible says the Lord loveth a cheerful giver, but it's not always so easy when you're thinking about your mortgage payment, utilities, college educations, car payment or payments, groceries, credit cards, second mortgages, and the list goes on. And a lot of us have other commitments I haven't even mentioned. You know what they are, and we're paying for them. We make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Now you have to come up with this year's pledge to the Lord through 
our church. A lot of people think giving to the Lord is their primary responsibility. Just as some people believe in pay yourself first, we should also put God first. Besides, all things are possible through Him, God, which also means nothing is possible without Him. All that you and I own already belongs to God. Confidence in God is another way my family is saying yes. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 states, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. As many of you know, I sell cardiovascular pharmaceuticals. One of the questions we always ask in our business when making a statement is, What this means to you is... So now I ask, what does just say yes mean to you? For me, it means God expects obedience and accountability from my everyday faith walk. When you're a young person, you can't be taught God. You must instead experience God in your life through your parents and others who also believe and model faith behavior. Some of us experience God through our talents. For example, some can sing. I've been told my singing sounds like I'm in jail, I'm behind a few bars, and I've lost the key. Other people's talent lie in the time they offer God. Some public speak, while it can be learned, some have natural ability. But whatever our gifts, one thing we can always offer God is our money. Not everyone can give the same amount, and that is not what's important. But what is important is that we follow his direction. His direction is to give, remember, just say yes. You know, it's often said that God works in mysterious ways. When you look at your personal faith story, it's not so mysterious. This shows the Lord truly does love a cheerful giver and rewards those who give joyfully. One of the things our church family has said yes to is the ELCA pilot project, which models homegrown faith. This initiative is an 18-month commitment in which lives will change. According to a homegrown faith conference I attended a few weeks back, families who share a meal together at least five times per week were more likely to keep their kids off drugs, complete schooling, and achieve higher abstinence rates just from mealtime alone. There are four keys to homegrown faith. The first, caring conversations. Second, prayer and devotion. Third, acts of service. And finally, fourth, rituals and traditions. These four keys are areas Gloria Day will continue to focus on over the next 18 months. The good news is Gloria Day has already been performing above the bar for the past five years in the Sunday School Gift Program alone. Our congregation has always had the vision and the foresight to take on the tough challenges and integrate them into our daily lives because we know all too well that no pain equates to no gain. We must continue to stretch and give ourselves for the betterment of humanity. Our congregation is filled with teachers who live by the creed, to teach is to touch a life forever. Well, now we're empowered to put our faith into action at church and within our own lives. God promises a safe landing, not a calm passage. After all, if God brings you to it, he will bring you through it. My family and I understand and recognize the importance of sharing ourselves with others, and we're saying yes to God through our time, which we consider to be our greatest resource, and through our monies, which God has generously entrusted to us. We're honored to be among such generous, kind, and humble people. Gloria Day introduced our child to Jesus and helped to equip Matt and me with the tools we need to carry out God's work at home on a daily basis. For this, we are so ever thankful. 
My challenge to each and every one of you is to execute the four keys within your families for one full year. I've always believed that which you can do now, you should do now, as a change in circumstances may keep you from doing it later. Faith is like the stars. You don't always see them, but you know they are always there. Today, as I prepare to close, I want to ask a rhetorical question. What has God done in your life, and how can you share that with someone else in theirs? In other words, pay it forward, just say yes, and God bless. When Jesus says that no one can serve two masters, we're confronted with heavenly values versus earthly values. Our loyalty should be among the things that will not fade. We must not let our possessions possess us. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you obsessed over obtaining it? It was such a wonderful feeling to acquire it. And then life continues on and perhaps it becomes a burden and not a blessing. Or maybe you moved on to that next thing. Personally, I hate to admit, but I've done that. When our focus is not on God, we become deceived. And Jesus is not calling us back into a place of contentment. No, it's he's calling or not complacency. He, I'm sorry, Jesus is calling us back into a place of contentment, not complacency. When we're content, we appreciate and recognize the hand and blessings of all that God has given us to steward on his behalf versus complacency, which is a form of laziness. So what did Jesus then teach about worry? And this comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. He says, So I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food, drink, and clothes. Doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing? Look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because your heavenly father feeds them and you are far more valuable to him than they are. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? You have so little faith. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly father already knows all your needs and he will give you all that you need from day to day. If you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. First off, Jesus assures believers that we are not to worry about what God has already promised. He will provide for us. Worry is nothing more than a distraction to our peace of mind. Worry robs us like a thief of achieving optimal health. Our productivity for the kingdom of God is pillaged. We may even become short-tempered, acting against our good nature and turn mean-spirited. And finally, because worry is seated in fear and not faith, it interrupts our relationships with God. Is it possible to house a genuine concern rather than worry? 
Absolutely. Here's the difference. Genuine concern mobilizes us to take action while worry paralyzes us. And how do we seek first the kingdom of God? We make and keep God first place on the throne of our heart. We pattern our character after his. Our thoughts are filled with his desires. We serve and obey him in all that we do. Keeping God in first place means that he will bump up against other people in our lives, objects we desire, and goals that we're pursuing. Nonetheless, our priority needs to be in positioning him in first place. And we can plan for tomorrow, but we shouldn't worry about it. Proverbs chapter 16 verse 9 teaches that we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. We must serve and be obedient to God in all that we do. While the Lord directs our steps, he still wants us to be moving forward. When we plan, we set goals by thinking ahead about what steps are necessary, what needs to be scheduled, and then we wait for God's consultation back to us. When we plan well, much of the worry is alleviated. Worries, by contrast, are born out of fear. As we said earlier, worry is a paralyzer to effort and achievement. Worry gets in the way of our relationship with God and therefore serves no useful purpose. So let's commit now to be people who will not allow tomorrow's worries to impact our relationship with God today. Dearest Father, we honor your name above all other names. Thank you for your word that soaks within us. As the potter, your hands mold these truths into the core of our being. We are awakened as you illuminate truths about fasting, money, and worry through Jesus' teachings. Our hearts are poured out unto you. We delight in knowing that the same God who created us by breathing life into our very being can still be trusted with the details of our lives. We'll remember that worry only hinders us and does not help. Father, thank you that your word says you will not ignore your children. Because we place our faith in you, we understand there's never a need to worry. Your word tells us how you walk through the challenges with us. We're thankful for this very present moment in fellowship with you, removing all ability to worry. Father, we cast our cares unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. And friends, I hope this episode has sparked a renewed interest in you regarding Jesus's teachings on fasting, money, and worry, and that you'll consider joining me over the next few days as we finish up the Sermon on the Mount series by learning what Jesus said about judging others, asking, seeking, and knocking, the way to heaven, fruit in people's lives, and building on a solid foundation. So that's what's up over to come over the next few days. And friends, if you're not already a child of God, but you want to be, I would invite you to go ahead and pray this prayer of invitation to our Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I repent and turn away from my sins. Come into and take up residence within my heart. I believe your blood with blood was shed for all who believe that you took on the sin of humanity at the cross of Calvary. Amen. And friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were saved and born again spiritually. Your next step is to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you and get into a good Bible-based church to surround yourself with other believers. Now, let me be the first to congratulate you on the most important decision that you've ever made. Congratulations and God bless you.
And one of Priest Aaron's contributions he left for us is this benediction. As you go out into the world, allow me to pray this blessing over you from Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show his favor and give you his peace. Amen. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special Kid Talk podcast will air on Wednesdays. So tune in along with your children for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, how to be joyful, and what love in action looks like, and the Sermon on the Mount, and many more. I invite you and your friends to come alongside me as we embark on a podcast of adventure and exploration of life together, so please consider joining me. And if you like this podcast, make sure and like and subscribe so you'll get the latest episodes when they become available. And much of today's podcast was referenced from my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring or interesting, you can pick up a copy from my website or at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. And if you're unable to afford a copy, please write to me and I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. And if you know anyone, friends, who might be interested in this podcast, please Be a blessing to them and share it with them. And until next time, remember Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Be blessed. Amen.